0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by my friend Colin Drew. This week, we have the Valspar Championship coming off of the Zurich team event. Team Mullet, Mark Leishman, uh, Cameron Smith take home the championship. I I stayed true to my word. I only bet one team last week. It was the Xander Cantley team, which I actually think they could have been competitive but on Friday when like every team shot like a 64, they were two over par on the Friday, which was, I just, which was so tilting. Um, But Cam Smith, I, I'm like a fan of him now. He's like a, he's like a funny personable dude.
1: Yeah. He is pretty funny. Rocking the mullet and everything. And um, gotta love that. You know, I definitely was not super high in the Cam Smith Leishman team, but, and I don't think either of us were on the podcast, but I do think, you know, the the ROM Palmer team, obviously Xander Cantley, like those teams were up there and then there was, you know, the Cam Smith Leishman team was expensive, too. But then there was obviously a ton of randomness, And I think that's what you're going to get whenever it's one of these team events with such a large field. And I don't know, I'm fine with the team events once a year. Uh, I don't think I need to see it a ton more than that, unless it's like the competitive, you know, Ryder Cup type stuff.
0: Yeah, um, I, yeah. I enjoy it. I mean, it wasn't, uh, wasn't appointment viewing for me. I was watching yeah. Shohei Otani hit bombs all weekend, but it was fine. Like it was, I, I probably watched like two or three hours of it. Um, this week we are moving on to the Valspar championship, which I, if I remember correctly, this is in a weird place in the schedule. This is not when they normally play it. Like this is normally part of the, the, isn't this normally part of the pre-masters Texas swing?
1: To be honest, like as far as the schedule is concerned, I continuously like screw up the Valero and Valspar when you like were slotted and stuff. But um, that was what was at the top of my mind as well. Um, And then, you know, the Fort Worth events. So, yeah, I don't know. It feels like it's a a weird time, at least for the the Paul Casey, like when we started jamming Paul Casey. Um, But I don't think it will impact the way the course plays too much
0: yeah um all right so let's talk a little bit about the course are we are we back to an rbc heritage style bunters course uh in terms of data golf's course fit
1: yeah like not not quite as extreme as that but definitely towing that line a little bit you know one of the few courses where driving accuracy is comparable to driving distance and therefore compared to the regular course it definitely overweights driving accuracy so like it's definitely not quite as extreme as RBC heritage where accuracy was legitimately more important than driving distance, but you know, that driving accuracy, as far as the off the tee play is concerned was definitely something that uh, matters here equally to the driving distance. So it is one of those courses that kind of brings more of the field into play that sort of diminishes the strength of the top end players a little bit, but not quite as extreme as what we saw with Stewie sink at the heritage.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you know, are we expecting this to show up in a big way in both the projections and in the projected ownership? Like, are we going to see, you know, the Russell Henleys and the Kevin Streelmans of the world, you know, both increased in projection and increased in projected ownership, or or is, is there going to be some cognitive dissonance between the two?
1: It's like a little bit more muted than that, I think, as far as the effect. And, you know, if you just look at the course fit data like um, or the course history data like Paul Casey obviously has won this event two times in a row now they didn't play this event last year but when you look at the names that are up at the top of the list like you've got Jim Furick with the strongest overall course history index here but Bubba's on there then Spieth, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Sergio Garcia, Luke Donald so it is a lot of these medium length players but then you have like Bubba in that mix and uh, Graham Dillette so um, I don't think there's going to be quite the same thing. And I would just say, yeah, at the bottom end, like people aren't going to be jamming like Cam Champ or, you know, players like that. Um, but I don't think, you know, it seems like the, the chalk is going to be a little bit more distributed other than a couple notable names more towards the top end than the value selections.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's start at the very top with Justin Thomas priced at 11.5, Dustin Johnson, 11.2, Victor Hovland, 10.5, Patrick Reed, 10.3, Paul Casey, 10K flat. The lowest projected ownership here early on Tuesday is Victor Hovland. We have DJ at 14% projected ownership. If those things hold and Dustin Johnson is actually, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13% owned. I mean, he I don't care about the course fit. I don't care about anything else. He just is a stone cold jam. There's, there's no way I don't care. They could be playing on a putt putt course. Like I don't care. Dustin Johnson, best player in the world. Um, when he's on, that's my, that's my advice this week. Uh, very original analysis here, play Dustin Johnson when he is sub 20% owned.
1: Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, and I don't know. I guess between the top two, like JT, DJ, I could for sure see an argument between those two guys. If you prefer JT in his, his form, you know, he was very live at the masters before making a big number. And so um, I definitely am on board with either JT or DJ at the top end, but I, I you know, think that the top 20 odds for data golf, but DJ close to Reed and Hobland, and I'm definitely not there yet. So when I see those guys kind of at comparable levels of ownership, you know, I got to take DJ over those two guys.
0: Yeah, I mean Hovland. I look, no one, no one has has wagered more money on Victor Hovland or played him more in DFS than me. Like I've been long on Hovland this whole time, but playing him for seven hundred dollars less than Dustin Johnson in single entry and three max, even with the ownership discount. Because by the way, I think the market will pick up on that too, and I, I expect that in like the you know the thirty three dollar dog leg or whatever, I would anticipate seeing Hovland be cheap. or 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 be single digit ownership i mean i Um, think that's the case but i but i think even with that being true i don't think that their long-term form indicates that um that that even that that makes the superior play the guy who i can assure you i will not be playing will be one mr Uh, paul casey at ten thousand dollars not a chance
1: yeah i'm I'm very curious to see he's probably the most compelling guy for me to figure out ownership on this week because you know early in the week right it's a lot of like tout shows and, you know, we're going to go through course history, Paul Casey's won here twice in a row, right? So that's going to drive things a little bit, but he's not a good model play in the data golf work. And, you know, that's, they're fairly influential at this point, like our projections don't have him as a great value. He's a solid value, but, you know, they prefer Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Reed kind of sandwiched around him, And then you have that Conflicting a little bit with a lot of the popularity of like fantasy national strokes gained information because Paul Casey is number two in this field since the restart in strokes gained with ball striking, and he's also running insanely hot with his short game as well. So, like if you're just looking at game logs, you're looking at recent strokes gained performance, like Paul Casey definitely checks the box as someone who's coming in here with good form and is the two-time defending champion.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that that is. Accurate and I just am still, I'm not interested. The, the biggest question we got to deal with this week though, Corey Connors projected as the best value play projected as the second highest DraftKings score given 5% win equity, but coming with a 24% projected ownership. Look, I love Corey Connors. Very similar to Hopland, actually. You know, he's
1: going to get there, though. If
0: you, you I mean, yeah, you know, he's going to get there. You know, he's going to ace, obviously. Like you, you just know these things. But it doesn't, it doesn't make me want to play him. Like I just, I, I just, I cannot, I cannot get there. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know Corey Connors is it's tough, right? Like he's clearly been the best player, of TD Green, since like in 2021 in this field, and it's not particularly close and it's been consistent on a week in week out basis so it's not like one outlier event so all the long game has been there but kind of like Paul Casey he's been exceeding his long-term baselines with the short game and we do expect him to be a losing short game player over the long run and that's kind of what he's been throughout his career so you want to buy into this like you know four or five event run of form with the short game is like improvement. Obviously these players are working at this stuff all the time, but chances are more likely that it's a little bit of positive variance. So yeah, I guess like I view Connors very similar to Scheffler. So I don't view him quite as dominant as the projections do. And if he's similar to Scheffler and I can get Scheffler, you know, a volatile, good fantasy scoring player with some upside. If I can get Scheffler at half the ownership of Connors, I view them very comparable as players.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I would definitely much rather play Scheffler there. There is like just kind of a narrative there. Like I always think of those guys as a pairing like Scheffler and Connors like that. That's more, (laughs) you know, that's more narrative driven than
1: Texas boy too. There's another narrative for you.
0: Yeah. The, oh, yeah, you do love that. Um, I would say this feels like a payout week for the pyramid. Pretty weak field overall, you know, not a ton of, uh, you know, Rory and Bryson and and those guys, you know, not here. Really, uh, I think in terms of how I think of it, just two world-class golfers here in JT and DJ. So that that is kind of an optimum time to get your payout weeks for the pyramid. And he's not crazily priced 9,500. I also never tout terrell hatton but it does this does feel again very similar to louis just like he i mean hatton is probably the third best golfer in this field official world golf ranking if i looked it up um if and if he's not it would be pretty close so i i think this actually is a week where you can play uh some of these some of these uh, brits and uh, south africans
1: yeah as, as far as like the profile of the course and louis it definitely feels like one of those where if he's if he's on like you don't have to overpower the course he's definitely not going to do that if he's on with his irons it's all been his short game though which is like one of the issues and I mean he's been insane with his short game this year but the ball striking hasn't been there so that makes me a little tepid on Louis but um yeah and it, I think he'll be the lowest of that group but not like six percent Louis like he's been doing good enough I think he's going to be like ten and just makes me a little bit less excited about it I, I do agree that Terrell Haddon's probably the best play um i also tend to like someone like sung jay on a course like this of course where time, winning yeah. score is not going to be you know 20 under he's got great short game he's you know kind of in that good off the tee but not an overpowering mold and i think that it could be a, like a good sung jay course
0: yeah i i completely agree um yeah sung jumped out to me as when i was going through and just clicking through my placeholder as a guy who seemed like a good course fit and good combination of, um, you know, projection and projected ownership, but you know, Neiman as chalk Henley is chalk can't, can't get there. Uh, now we have, so this is something that happens early on in the projections. We have Bubba projected for 3% projected ownership. Cause it's feeding into so much of our projection, which is not good. I don't, I, I don't I, think he's going to be popular. You don't know think he'll get to like 10%.
1: He just hasn't done enough, even at, like, this year, even at the courses he's been good at historically. So, and the model plays aren't going to have him as a good play. The The strokes gain stuff's not going to have him great. So I, I don't think he's going to be popular.
0: Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. Uh, all right.
1: I got, a, I got a question for you. So this oh, yeah, is, hit me. Put ownership aside, because I'm not positive where, where he'll come in. But, like, Justin Rose, you know, He's not popping as a great value for us. He's kind of comparable rated to like Jason Kokrak, Charlie Hoffman, but you know, him and Stenson did well at the team play event. And Rose obviously opened up on fire at Augusta and then played fine over the weekend, was in contention. Yep. Are, are you interfering with the projection model on Justin Rose? Yes. And who would you slot him next to if you're
0: Rose? Rose seems like to me just an obvious guy where when he figures out whatever it is, you know, I don't, I, and I don't know the specifics. I don't know, you know, Fineberg, Feinberg, like Justin Rose is like his least favorite player. So we always, we always I think get think He this,
1: doesn't mind him as a player. He just like hates his social media.
0: Yeah. <laughs> game. So I, I don't know if it was, you know, I, you know, Justin Rose changed um, club sponsors. He has been all over social media, like just, and it's just kind of an annoying guy. Like, I don't love Justin Rose in general But if you look at his recent form, like okay, he went through a pretty bad run during the the OG COVID restart. And then he's kind of gotten it together. T2 in um uh, in a, a Saudi Arabian event, obviously the good finish at the Masters, did well at the team event. Like he's a guy where I'm ready to be like, I'm just gonna value him like. You know, not for, you know, not world number one, Justin Rose, but like, I don't know, the 13th best golfer in the world or something like that, which to me puts him into that Louie Hatton range of projection. Like he's a guy I think you could, you know, plus three, plus four in the optimizer and be like, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do. And it's, you know, it's not data golf's fault. They're just, there's just so much noise and intangible stuff going on here that we can't have access to with someone like Justin Rose. Yeah, and
1: I think their argument would be if you try to do this with every golfer, you're going to get it wrong a lot more often than you're going to get it right. And hundred percent. I don't know, but we're going to try to do it with this one golfer. I tend to agree with you. Like not. Well, you got to
0: you got to make some adjustments. I would take Haddon
1: over Rose head to head, but but Louis versus Rose would be a pretty tough one.
0: Yeah. So much of the golf ecosystem right now relies on what Data Golf is doing, both in terms of the betting markets themselves. The betting markets themselves are fed into by stuff data golf is producing, which feeds into the salaries, which feeds into our projections, which feeds into ownership. So, like, deep. that's deep. Well, it just means you cannot play the projections straight up. It means you need to be making some adjustments and some decisions based off of yeah. um, some decisions based off of ownership. So, like, CoCrack at twenty two percent—that's just a total non-starter for me. Like, I know Coolers
1: is like, yeah, just like, oh god, like he, he knows he's not going to play any CoCrack. He knows co-crack's Playing well, but getting lucky with a short game. And he's just listening to this, just fearing getting absolutely buried by Chaco Crack.
0: Yeah. And like so many of these guys here at double digits Ryan Palmer, you know, Gria. We have Chris Kirk projected for 20% projected ownership. Like I just, I can't, I can't go there with these guys. It just, this just feels to me like the absolute worst way to play DFS, which is huge positions on guys who have middling odds to actually win. So do you-
1: are you okay yeah. with these guys at like 10 to 12%, like obviously Kirk and co they're at like 20 to 25, but depending on your contest, maybe even hit 30. Um, that's, that's too much. But what about the guys at like 10 to 12? Does that feel okay? or you still just want to get out of that range entirely?
0: Yeah, I think, I think there is a pretty meaningful difference in 10 to 12 to 15 to 20. Like those, those feel, those feel like meaningful um, deltas in projected ownership. And then, you know, if we're, if we're going to talk about course fit, guys like Taylor Gooch, guys like Kevin Na, um, you know, guys like Streelman, who are pretty accurate players who are completely disqualified at 7,400 yard par 72s. They just are com- They just are not long enough. They're never going to birdie um, the par fours there. They're never going to make enough eagles on the par fives. But here, they're not disqualified from winning or T10ing or whatever, which makes them much more attractive.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think pivoting out of that range kind of like, you know, for below rows, so basically Co-crack down to Kirk, like I'm probably fine passing on that range and either trying to squeeze in rows above, try to squeeze in Sungjae and some of the higher price, better win equity guys and create, like it not it totally stars and scrubs, but it starts and scrubs light, so to speak. And um, Kevin Nod did grab my eyes because he, he's going to be single digits. Obviously, he could, you know, make a 13 on, you know, <laughs> at Sawgrass and decide to pull the plug on the event. But this is definitely the type of course, and when he is in contention, he's shown that he can win. So I think Kevin Na is a pretty good play. Um, yep. Hard guy to figure out. Would probably not be excited if he got popular. But if he's 8%, that seems like a better play than some of those other guys at 12 or 15.
0: Seems like, uh, seems like a good course for Chucky Three Sticks, for Charles Howell the Third, short, Texas. I mean, just all of the narratives feed in here, 7% ownership. He just is never going to win, obviously.
1: Yeah. And like, he just, he's been, I'd say he's been like, okay, but he's not like the same Chucky three sticks that we had like a few years ago. So like the guy in my mind that hits every fairway and green and, you know, never shoots a 63, but never shoots like a 74. He's not really quite as consistent anymore, which um, I feel like Kevin Streelman is almost more like that guy that now.
0: Yeah, uh, Mick Putts. I wish I didn't see this projected ownership on him here at ten percent. This again seems like a course it's where pass though, right? Yeah, it's got to be a pass. And I, I love, I love my guy Denny, um, but I can't get into it. How is who is this Sam Horsefield guy? Literally, never heard of him priced at 7,400 this would be someone that my guy um Skyler Sky at Skyhook DFS he'd probably know like his whole story like followed him from like Monday qualifying or whatever and bet on him at the corn fairy tour I mean I would just guess literally without looking it up he's a guy who won his way in through performing well on the corn fairy tour um but I, I don't know it's just it's all those guys are always priced at like 6,700 not 7,400
1: yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I I love just you just didn't even try to hide it, just like full YOLO on trying to guess who this guy is. But I mean he is a European tour player, so you got it right. Like Skyler oh, Sky, Skyler knows.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: Plugged into that stuff. And he's coming in great form over in Europe as well. So he, he's got top fifteens in four straight events, um, including two top fives. So I think that's why you know the people who are more plugged into the european tour he's won twice there i think um in the past year and i think that's probably why they're looking to back him obviously you know it's not a play that the our projections respect a lot and they don't view his win equity nearly that high because it wasn't like elite top end events that had strong strength of field that he was winning and contending and it was the weaker european tour events so
0: yeah um, all right. Doug Gim, another guy that the projections are liking quite a bit. 8% projected ownership. Seems, seems pretty decent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now here's, here's a name I haven't heard in a while or cared about Zach Johnson actually showing up as a relative value. This is again, you know, um, a bunters course or whatever. Uh, he's, he's sitting at the world number 19, how the mighty have fallen on a string of three straight, missed cuts now granted they were i don't know i i'm looking at this projection and thinking zach johnson is the type of guy i like to play at these events you know actually kind of similar to justin rose you know former very high pedigree obviously zach johnson was never as good as justin rose but i i'm kind of finding myself wanting to click on him but um i don't know not not great results over the last year
1: yeah and i I think you know one of the themes for this range is definitely that there are a lot of guys who project pretty comparably there's you know Doug Gims stands out a little bit with his top 20 odds Um, and then everybody else is kind of in that like 16 to 20 range or most of these guys and so I do think it's a good range to look for pivots I do think it's a good range to you know especially if you build through relatively popular guys up top to look for guys that are like zero to five percent because there are plenty of options and it's the type of course that brings a lot of these guys together and as far as their projections and their performance um I don't know I keep falling for Cesarevi just because I fall for him at this type of course in general he's also had strong ball striking um over the different events he's been playing this year he's just been he's been really bad with the short game um so I'll probably go back to the well with him again this week but I couldn't blame you for jumping ship
0: yeah. All right. Getting into some of the value guys here. Um, just do not let me play Russell Knox. Like if I say anything about Russell Knox in the PGA channel, like just ban me this dude. I just, he absolutely kills me and I know I'm going to want to talk myself into him this week that's, because it's short course and everything. That's totally
1: just, how I feel with like Ryan Moore and Chiz or my Russell Knox.
0: Oh, uh, I just am. I'm so disgusted they keep, by like, him.
1: Lingering yeah. in the projections too. So it's like, I have like, whatever, some three-year history with these guys. And then I have the course fit with these guys. And then they're like flirting with being decent projected values. And I just can't pull myself away.
0: Yeah. Uh, my guy, Tom Hoagie continues to play decent golf. Um, I, I believe, I think he did, did all you right. bet him? I saw he was popping
1: that? as a plus EV bet earlier this week.
0: No, but I got to do it now. Yeah, I got to, I got to get in. I mean, imagine Tom Hoagie winning event and uh, me not having the, uh, the ticket, but, um, Richie Worinski, another guy, decent, decent salary. Definitely not playing Ryan Moore. Uh Kyle Stanley. You know, you're just hoping for the one week for the, the putter to run hot. And I, I guess theoretically, shorter course, he is he is a very good iron player. Like that's how he's been able to stay on the tour this long. He is always one of the better guys with his iron. So like,
1: yeah, Moore and Moore and Revie at least have been playing well. Off the tee and on approach, which, whereas like Stanley hasn't really been doing that. So it could, it could come together, but I guess that's why I trust those guys a a tiny bit more. If I'm dumpster diving, Stanley's been like just above break even and he's been worse with short game than both those guys. So if, if I was just picking between those three, he'd probably be the guy I dropped off the list.
0: Yeah. I think the cheapest guy who I would play in single entry and three max is Nick Taylor. He's priced at 6,700 he looks decent. Uh, maybe, maybe Tyler Duncan, uh, would be the other guy, but, but it gets, I mean, we're talking, we're entering the Roger Sloan territory, uh, when you get any deeper than that and no one wants that. Yeah. What's, what's going on with Ben on? Well, if you can't putt and then you take a decent step back and tee to green, like if you play, like if you literally cannot putt, like Benny Ann is the worst putter on the PGA tour And if you then play like an average player with your irons and not top 10 player in the world with your irons, that is a recipe for a lot of 74s and 74s do not make the cut at uh, PGA Tour events.
1: No, they don't make the cut, do they? He was one of the guys that I was um, admittedly surprised to see at that price with like 0% ownership. But yeah, it's been a weird year. Yeah.
0: Yeah uh all right any other any other dudes to to mention down here i mean i i it it's pretty thin i guess kind of the the strategy i would take to mme i i would maybe even lock dj and mme this week like if i if i was gonna lock one guy that would be it and then just kind of wheel around with a max ownership cap of like 80 just and you you'd get some of those chalky 8k guys in there but i would be fine with that in terms of the total ownership constraint. And then obviously DJ in single entry in 3-max.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you know I've been doing MMA on FanDuel more than DK and doing yeah. single entry on DK. So like over on FanDuel, a lot of times you get the stars and scrubs builds just jammed. Um And it feels like a week where the mid-tier of guys is definitely just as live as the secondary tier. And so I'm going to try to find ways to kind of avoid, not avoid the stars, but avoid lineups that are just like, JT, DJ, Hovland, and then like three punts. Um, so probably set like a T20 min range at like 15%, and then maybe max one of the guys between like 15 and 20 percent to T20, and then hopefully get a little bit more balance with some of these mid tier guys that I think are like the Scotty Scheffler, Us Days range, which maybe they're gonna be overowned on DK, but I think those plays typically end up a little bit underowned on FanDuel.
0: Yeah, so pretty interesting from DataGolf this week because they're not baking in a huge chance for DJ to win that they are pretty far, like they're off in alignment with the betting markets, which creates plus EV numbers on Hatton, on Scheffler, on Answer, on Russell Henley, Ryan Palmer, Kevin Streelman, Emiliano Grillo, um, Charles Howell, who I would never bet to win a PGA Tour event. Maybe I'd bet him to T10. I, I guess that if you feel really strongly about one of those guys in the 50 to 100 to one range, it would be a good spot or, or answer or Palmer or Scheffler or whoever, yeah. because I like, I like having yeah. Scheffler.
1: Cause yeah. I mean, a combination, I also view Corey Connors a little bit worse than they do the betting markets yeah. have, I think opened with Connors at bigger numbers and took some action on those. And now they're kind of in line with data golf's numbers. So if, you view Connors closer to like 24, or 25 to one, then, you know, that's going to boost those kind of mid-tier bets a little bit more as well. So Scheffler and Haddon at 27 to one and 30 to one were numbers that I thought were pretty good for guys who are, you know, reasonably chance to contend.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you there. I, I think, and I'm going to add Tom Hokey too, obviously, cause I feel like I got to just bet him anytime he's a little bit deeper than a hundred to one, but I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to bet, hatton at uh at his available number hatton right now is at on the FanDuel Sportsbook 27 to 1 yeah that's pretty that's pretty good i think i think he should probably be like the fourth favorite here and
1: then i feel like i'll i'll end up putting like 10 bucks on ches at 250 to 1
0: yeah um all right uh one and done i don't i guess probably hatton is just who i'll take you're not like
1: burning jt or dj so yeah um you
0: probably Definitely I mean, don't use Corey Connors. Helpful advice. If you are not uh, crushing this event, definitely do not use Corey well, Connors.
1: We'll, yeah. One of the things to do is definitely look at how frequently guys have been used in the league just because there's a chance that, depending what league you're in, that guys have burned somebody that's pretty, like some of these guys. Um, I don't think they'll have burned Paul Casey, though. I think Paul Casey and Corey Connors are definitely going to be the two most popular plays. Um, I think Scheffler, obviously mentioned him. It would also be kind of an under-the-radar spot to use someone like Patrick Reed, who you're not necessarily going to use at a WGC or a major. But I don't think I'd be shocked if Patrick Reed contended this week and won.
0: Yeah, ugh, the worst timeline. All right, everyone. Uh, That's going to do it for us here today at the Daily Roto going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. We will be back next week. Uh, Definitely make sure to sign up for DailyRoto.com. Use all of the available tools and projections. And uh, good luck this week.